Where you take it beyond the barbell. I'm your host, Modingo, and with me is Brody. What is up? My blood pressure, Mo. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm yeah. hyped up. Well, you had a rough day, didn't you? Dude, you know. <laughs> I told Mo about my day. From, first off, I couldn't go to sleep. I was up to like 4 a.m. It probably, it, I doubt it was because he had cold brew at 10 o'clock last night either. I think it was my decongestant. It was something messed oh, me up. Okay. And just uh, Sudafed, but man, couldn't go to sleep. I forced myself to go to bed and I tell you what, I woke and, up and, and it just, was... But just for reference, though, we've experienced four seasons in about three days here in Ohio. Oh. We had snow, tornadoes, tornadoes floods, snow, snow. and today it's, was it's like... Beautiful. Yeah, today was beautiful. <laughs> Freaking Ohio. Yeah, so I woke up and just like... It just literally started from when I left my house. It was just one of those days. Just nonstop, but, you know, it can always be worse. But nothing that can't be cured by a nice, delicious beer. Exactly, man. You know, it's delicious. Mo, for the first time, I'm going to go on. Um, go on record here. I'm going to go on record. Mo finally brought me a freaking beer. <laughs> Been providing this guy with high-end craft beer for months now. Hey, and he didn't if, even bring it. Thanks, if, Mel. Yeah, it was actually my wife. She told me to take it to him. But in my defense, I usually come straight from work. And today, I had the opportunity to go home first and uh, i'm just saying i drove to get us beer today <laughs> down like another i don't know it was kind of for me but mo gotta partake yeah i got uh nowhere in particular batch number 21 and this is delicious hopefully some of you out there listening might be able to get a hold of this if you can but it's only in they only sell it in michigan and ohio and that's everybody's pissed well we don't have what's, any listeners in michigan so hey What's up, Michigan? What's up, Michigan? Where you at? Or I'm sorry, that state to the north is yeah, what I, most people refer to it here. Whatever. Turds. Slowly expanding our reach. We are up to 40 states in the most recent, which is South Dakota? North Dakota. North Dakota, okay. And that's courtesy of one of your drop-ins. Yeah, Seth Hardley. Yeah. He, dude, he, was on, he went on a binge because I, <laughs> I was looking at all the data. I was like, man, someone's tearing it up and up there. Yeah, he's a pilot for FedEx, so he uh, he dropped in, did the open uh, deadlift workout, deadlift handstand push up, <laughs> and anyways, that's a hell of a workout to drop in on. Yeah, so he was here for a couple of days, and man, we talked on Saturday. We talked for like it was almost three hours. We nice. were sitting here talking. He's a huge foodie, which I'm a foodie. Okay, told me about this new um, Cuban restaurant down in Dayton. Hmm. Used to be a little Wimpy's. Uh, okay. I'm Montgomery and whatever, but I don't know too much about Cuban food, but man, he, he went out and sent me some pictures, looked pretty good. And then I turned him in, uh, turned him on to warehouse four. He mm. fell in love. Yeah. And, yeah. Warehouse uh, four. Where you at? How many calls <laughs> we got to do to get some cold brew? <laughs> I mean, we got enough. I don't know. Sandwich. Yeah. Something. Um, also through, uh, the messenger, we got a shout out from Cody Wilson. Just said that he uh, loves the show and he really appreciates what we're doing. So that's awesome. Yeah. Goes to practice CrossFit. And then also in the, in the mail, Uh-oh. we received a package from uh, Todd Hart, first sergeant. Oh, what's up, dude? Uh, this is new to the, me. Mo, yeah, I, Mo I, I never I even told me about this. Yeah, I didn't tell you about this. We got patches. He's a first sergeant for the 437th Operations Squadron. What's up? In South Carolina. And he sent us some patches. We'll send you pictures in the show notes. So I told uh, 
Mass Sergeant Hart that uh, Brody really is a huge supporter of the military and loves patches and stuff like that. So I'm going to make him split these with me, but we'll definitely Dude, put pictures in the show sick. notes. So yeah, he's got the, uh, the deployed unit patches as well as the stateside patches in there for us. So huge shout out, Todd. Thanks a lot, brother. Um, thanks for your support and thanks for listening. Todd, that's awesome. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. This is definitely going to go on either my range bag or, uh, my rifle bag. You know, it's, it's really cool. Maybe I can, um, Return to favor. I got a special patch that we had made for uh, our boy Pat Cron. We had um, one made from his son who passed away from uh, brain cancer. Uh, so we had a, a patch that kind of is a tribute to him. And uh, we actually. And also the orange wristbands that you'll yeah. see uh, both of us wearing in a lot of our pictures. Yeah, had that made and for him and his entire SWAT team. And it was pretty cool when he sent me a picture when all the SWAT guys had those patches on, their, on the back of their arms. That's pretty sick, man. Yeah, sweet indeed. You know, just like we talk about, you know, CrossFit, it's not just a, it's a gym, it's a community. You know, it's a family. Uh, 100%. All right. So today, this is going to be episode number 20. 20, Mo. Yeah, 20, which according to statistics, uh, this is kind of a benchmark. If you can make it this far, then you probably have something sustainable. So, but that's up to you guys. So help us out. I mean, I told you it was sustainable from day one. Yeah. So we're... Well, we're, we're, 1920 or, or, or 1980 <laughs> getting oh, close to i did the math the other day mo <laughs> how long we have to record 400 to 480 more times <laughs> <laughs> but we are one step closer and our 487 days straight we'd oh, have to record. we have to record okay we got this but uh thanks a lot for listening thanks for the shout outs and again uh thanks for the pictures thanks for the patches todd you know that's super awesome but episode 20. So what are we going to talk about today? Uh, just a topic that bro and I were kind of tossing back and forth. You know, we're both trainers and especially you start to see athletes, they get to a certain point and they plateau. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And you know, plateau, this, this came huge in the weightlifting world, right? We, we probably all can kind of relate as a, um, as a weightlifter, how we would hit, we would use it we would use the term plateau and we really wouldn't know what the hell that meant. We just, we were progressing, (laughs) but I think it's cool, a cool topic because, you know, with the experience that we both have have gained, we not, we can now not only recognize it, but facilitate how to get out of that. And what we're just going to cover is how do we help, you know, athletes get over this. So to plateau, what does it mean? Essentially, you just get to a certain point in your training and conditioning, and you're just not seeing any gains. Yeah, I mean, it can happen. You know, it's no matter how good the programming is, it can initially happen. It, it somehow, not initially, it can somehow happen mm-hmm. of hitting a plateau. You know, I do my best to keep people from plateauing. That's why I track all of our stuff. You mm-hmm. know, it's can we get a hundred percent PRs? It's tough, right? But when you when you work a when you go through an entire strength cycle and you get nothing in return, sometimes it can be frustrating, mm-hmm. and you think you're in a plateau. But there's so many things that go into what you think is a plateau. Yeah. Did you hit every week? Mm-hmm. Did you hit all your numbers? Did you have a false max? That and that's a huge one right there. Right, and like when we get our maxes, it's we don't allow any of our athletes to use maxes they or PRs that they attain, obtain in a um, competition. Okay. Or even, <laughs> or even in the open. Cause it's just adrenaline. You know, dude, you're jacked through the roof. You've had pre-workout 
in your veins for, you know, about four or five hours. Since I'm, noon. Right. 18 cups of coffee, right? It's O2 out the ass. Yeah. So, I mean. There's I'm, a lot of variables. I'm going to start doing that every day if I get a PR. You know oh, totally. I mean? So we, we don't really count those. So there's a lot of variables that go into what you could, would consider a plateau. And you think it's maybe because you're not progressing. But like most of the times, it's something you kind of maybe have messed up. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the things that we talk about routinely on this show is life often happens, you know, if not every day. Just like you had that, you know, you had a rough morning, yeah. but, but you made it through. But, you know, if you're in a situation when we talked about the burnout episode, you know, you're, you're in these situations or under these conditions that you have no control over, mm-hmm. but they still start taking a toll on you, no matter how resilient of a person you are, you know, work stress, home stress, financial stress, even, you know, climate, you know, for someone who's brand new to Dayton, if they were to move here this week, they'd be having a hell of a week. Yeah. You if know. you're from like the West coast, you'd probably die <laughs> this week. <laughs> you'd be dead. But things like that can factor into your ability to perform at your optimum capacity. And I think not only perform is a great word because I tell all of our people when we, when we're testing, you know, we, we test over a two week period. I split our, our lifts. Uh, cause I don't want to max out five or five days in a row. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause CNS, you need that recovery. My CNS can't handle it. Right. So I'll split them up and I got it staggered to where we can do that. So we're only testing two max three lifts in a week, right? Whatever it is. And then we do the following, you know, two to three lifts the following week. And I tell everybody that, look, if you've put in the work and you, you've hit all your numbers and you've hit all your percentage work, right? If you don't PR today, that's just, it happens. Okay. Because every day is not going to be a PR day. No, it, it, we're, we're asking you on one specific day to PR a lift and it just doesn't happen. It just, so there's some days it just doesn't happen. You know, so what, what do we do? We, we, we tell them this. And then we also explain like, look, if you miss your PR lift, which we're watching, we watch all of the, the PR attempts. Um, if they miss it, it, and we feel that either a, it was just an off day or B, they might just need to roll through the percentage work again, because sometimes it, when you hit a PR and then you roll into the new percentage work, sometimes what I've seen, it takes you maybe another like two cycles for your body to kind of get it acclimated to the load that mm-hmm. you, you hit and allow your body to take that next step. So there's two ways to do it. You know, if, if we think that maybe they just had an off day, we have them tested it later in the week or, you know, in, on the weekend, Saturday or Sunday as a retest. If we feel that, you know, they're just, they need another cycle to kind of go through it. That's what we tell them. Like, look, man, don't get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Just let's run another. It's part of the process. Yeah, let's run through this cycle again. I've been where you've been. I can relate. It's okay. We're still going to get a lot of good work in. Mm-hmm. You know, you just had a fifteen pound PR last time, mm-hmm. right? You know, even if it's a five pound PR, you know, when you're a ta- pound is a pound. That's what I tell my athletes. Absolutely, because you know, the, the the deeper you get into CrossFit, right? It, it, your p- gains become incremental, and, and you respect that five pound PR. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean as a, a seasoned athlete that you can't hit a, a ten or a fifteen on something. You know, just the way it happens sometimes. But when we get a five pounder, to me, uh, w- when people start making jumps and when we max out, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm very cautious on some of the jumps because they may have wanted to maybe make a ten pounder but I know that they may miss that mm-hmm. and they're going to sacrifice five pounds 
the, in the middle because mm-hmm. they skipped it. That five pounds equates to thousands of pounds lift over a cycle. Mm-hmm. They don't realize what just five pounds is. Exponentially. Yeah. It's huge. It, the amount of the thousands of pounds that you lift that you wouldn't have lifted, you tell me it doesn't make you stronger. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're very cautious. When we're getting close, I don't, I don't care. I want you to, if you fail, you fail. It happens. Mm-hmm. But I don't want you to sacrifice five pounds and make that jump just because you think you can make it because oftentimes they make a 10 pounder or they miss it. They back it down to five. They miss it. So now they could have hit the five if they initially did it. If they would have made gradual mm-hmm. increases. Yeah. So their CNS is fried. They're, they're like confidence too. It, yeah. I just going to say it. Yeah. CNS is fried. Confidence is down. They're not, you know, they could be at the very edge of the time limit that we have of a 25 minute time frame to find their max. Mm-hmm. You know, we still got to roll into the wad. Yeah. So it, all that plays into factor. And I hate, I hate when people leave five pounds on the, on the table. I mm-hmm. really do. But I've also done it the opposite where I've seen an athlete where they get a PR and they, and it's a little sketchy. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. I want to see you do it again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or, you know, and that's, that's okay. And I also, I do the same thing. Like mm-hmm. if I, if I see them hit a lift and it, it was something they had to, um, I don't know. Like if it was a snatch and they had to press it out just a tiny bit. Or they had yeah. to like, you know, summon Zeus <laughs> to get out of the, they got chicken bones or like, like mixing the chalk or something like that, you know, to get out of the hole of this back squat and <laughs> their knees were touching. Yeah. They're doing <laughs> the know? stanky leg while they're coming out of the hole. I'm like, all right, me, and you know, you got that, but what'd you hit before this? Okay. Well, let's go with that. Cause yeah. I seen that one too. That looked like a squat. Yeah. This one did not. <laughs> <laughs> something also that we can look at depending on the stage of the athlete's training. A lot of times those newer guys will get caught up with those beginner gains. You know, you hit the door and you have all these huge incremental increases when we go through these strength cycles. And then now they're getting to a point where they're kind of hitting equilibrium Mm -hmm. and they can get super frustrated because I have one athlete that's going through that right now. She's been with us for about six months and she's not really feeling herself getting stronger. But and I had to talk to her and I was like, because she's getting frustrated. I can see it on her face. And as you know, the, the trainer, I, I pulled her aside after class. I was like, Hey, what's going on? You look a little, you look a little salty today. You know, well, you know, I feel like I should be getting, you know, I didn't get a PR today and blah, blah. I'm like, okay. But you know, when we look at the rest of the workout, the context of what we did today, I saw you moving a lot faster. You know, your form uh, was more kept together over a longer period of time. So a lot of times athletes just think the gain is like within a lift. Versus yeah, the their number. ability to mm-hmm. move, right, or just their maintain their cardiac capacity, maintain a certain rate of uh, of work or percentage of work over a duration, right. But I think internally, we just when we think of gains, we think of just pure numbers. Yeah, yeah, and that's from a weight standpoint. And as a coach, that's that's something you have to do. You have to, you know, Mo said it a couple of times. You know, we are psychologists. Uh, amateur psychologist, yeah, amateur underpaid psychologist. Right. And, and this is one of those examples of like, we got to talk them off the cliff because <laughs> they didn't PR today. Maybe they had a day like I did. Yes, they did. They come in, they're like, you know what? It's max out day. I'm going to take my aggression out on the on that bar. Yeah. And they get folded in half. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it turned to a lawn chair. Yeah. It just adds to this, the, their day. They're like, I'm done. Screw CrossFit. I'm going to start six minute abs. <laughs> This is stupid. Six minute abs for time. You know, it's cold out. <laughs> I don't want to go to the gym. I'm going to stay at home, do my six minute abs. So 
We got to talk them off the cliff. We have to say, look, just like Mo did, you have progressed, right? Did you miss a PR? Yeah, but guess what? I missed that person, maybe mm-hmm. missed. Do we suck? No. <laughs> no. All right. You're progressing. You're, you're taking the steps needed. Um, and that is a PR to me. Mm-hmm. Well, you showed up. Right. But <laughs> we need measurables as CrossFitters. I think that's what Agreed. something, you know, we look at numbers and, and the one of the, it's a good and a bad. We have measurables every day in CrossFit. Okay. We have, did we PR our lift or did we improve our time? Did we do better in a skill? It's mm-hmm. every single day. And it's good about CrossFit because you see your progression. Like, okay, last time we had chest the bar, I did a green and a blue band. This time I was just rocking a green band. Mm-hmm. Per, it makes you pretty happy. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You just, people sometimes don't, aren't happy with that. They want that, that PR lift. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately you have to put the time in. And also, unfortunately, this is where the athlete side comes into it and the coach as well. Why didn't you PR? Is it a strength issue, right? Is your core weak? Are you bracing properly? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you having mobility issues coming out of the hole, right? Are your glutes tight? If they're tight, mm-hmm. they're not going to fire properly. Are they active, right? True. Right. If you're coming out of the hole, you and can't get soft position and you can't get external rotation. Your glutes are off, right? Mm-hmm. So if the knees are constantly inside, inside of the ankles and not even minimum, even with the toes, if not outside the ankle to get the external rotation, the glute activation going, mm-hmm. well, maybe we got some other issues here. So now is it a hip mobility issue? Yeah. Is it shoulders. Right. It's, you know? it, there's so much that goes into it, right? It matters on the lift front squat. Maybe you, you got the leg strength, but your core is just, it can't support that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not bracing properly into the belt. Maybe we have to work on bracing drills, right? Mm-hmm. Are we engaging, you know, completely inflating our diaphragm and engaging at 360 degrees so we can stand up out of this without, you know, getting mashed potatoes in the middle, mm-hmm. right? So there's other things that go into it. And then once we diagnose whatever that is, now it's up to the athlete to fix it with what the, we tell them, yeah, right? To do the work. Hey, you, your, your core is weak. Mm-hmm. This is what I suggest. Okay. So, you know, I have programs that are f- for our GHD. I have programs that I, as additional work, I, it's, you know, we do it three times a week. You got to jump on that, mm-hmm. right? It's available. It's out there. It's not like you have to research and figure out what the hell's going mm-hmm. on. I just told you what was up from my opinion. See this video? Yeah. When your chest touches your top of your quads, <laughs> st- that thing in the middle is your core. It's not working, right? It's not activated at that it's, point. Yes. It's, it's pretty weak. So maybe we got to build the core strength up. So then this is where it comes into the athlete of saying, okay, I want this. Mm-hmm. Now I got to put it in work. I ain't got time. What? You just said you're mad. Yeah. And I got I tell you to do something that's going to take maybe eight minutes extra a day mm-hmm. that you do it. And you don't even have to do it here at the gym. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you need a GHD, well, but still, yeah, don't tell me. You don't tell me you want something. Then I tell you how to obtain it. Yeah. And then you tell me you ain't got time for it. Yeah. Guess what I ain't got time for? This conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, you, you really want to make it. Here's how. Yeah. From my experience. Now, put the work in. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Next time you do it, you'll see it. Absolutely. So, signs and symptoms of athletes hitting that plateau. Obviously, frustration. Um, I won't necessarily say anxiety, but just stress. Uh, whenever we come to these particular lifts that they're struggling with, they you know they might have a little bit of angst. Just overall, just frustration. I think is probably the easiest word we can use in this situation when we talk about plateauing. Yeah, 
you know, it's, did you miss a lift? I, th- I still think it comes down to this. Okay. You miss a lift or, or whatever it may be, you know, uh, why we got to know why, you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate. I, I, I don't mind asking questions, right? Some people are like, they don't, they feel embarrassed to ask questions. If I don't know something, I'm going to find out why. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's how you learn. So through my life as a, tr- a trainer and owner coach, I've asked a lot of questions to people where I've researched on my own. So if you fail something, why did you fail it? I need to know, right? Video is great, right? Mm-hmm. So if we hit a plateau, maybe it is something that it could be a technical issue when you're working on your Olympic lifts. You may, be, you may have the strongest deadlift in the world. You may have the best core in the world. You may be the strongest individual at our gym, but if you ain't got no front rack, Mm-hmm. Okay. If your overhead positioning stability sucks, okay, your hip mobility is is off. It's going to. It's only going to get you so far. It's only it gets you so far, right? So, are we plateauing because of our strength, right? Or are we plateauing because you know we got to put some extra work into the mobility flexibility section, right? I want a front rack. You know, you you, you can't not you cannot manhandle your max load without a front rack. I don't care if it's on a clean, right? Mm-hmm. Pat's a great example of this. He went, I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I'm pretty close to this. Let's say he had, and if you, if you don't know Pat, Pat's- Pat Cron, he looks like a, a pulling guard that in a different life, he's probably playing in the NFL. Very large. Yeah, he, he's a large, fast individual. Yeah, he's quick. He run 400s and he's big Yeah, dude. I seen him run a 400 with a sandbag and I had to like rub my eyes because it, it didn't make sense that something that big was moving that fast. <laughs> So Pat has had some extreme mobility issues of one of our members and, uh, his, he had no front rack for the longest time mm-hmm. and just your typical prototypical guy at the gym, hated thrusters forever. <laughs> he can't touch his shoulders. <laughs> he went from getting a front rack and he worked really hard to get this to get a front rack. He, he, I think he had a 55 pound PR in his front squat. <laughs> Just, just because for getting he got some a, shoulder mobility. Just because you got some Latin, some shoulder mobility. <laughs> so, That's like a small human. I'm just saying. Not, I'm not joking. It literally went from like, say, 265 to like three whatever. Yeah, it, you know, And I laugh because I understand that because when I was in Texas, I did yoga for a little bit of time, maybe about 45 days or so. And then my work schedule got screwed up. And just from doing that, I saw my numbers go up about 10, 10% across the board. Right. It was ridiculous. It is. It, it's stupid, right? And I tell you, weightlifters, right? They're the most- Mad flexible. Mad flexible. Just the range of motion they, they have, they have to have it because you just seen what Pat obtained, okay? And this goes for anybody. Mm-hmm. He put in extra work. He needed something. He had to have the front rack because if not, his arms were going to snap off because of thrusters or whatever. He got the front rack to where the bar was actually on his shoulders. And he's able to hit a huge PR. So now he's getting closer. He's still not there. Mm-hmm. He's getting closer to what his actual max is. Mm-hmm. And then the gains are going to come from that. So his plateau wasn't strength. His plateau it was, was mobility. Yeah. You know, not being flexible and, and being immobile. And one of the points that you made earlier when you said about talking to the athlete and asking questions, one thing I was watching a video about Pat Summit. She's, I believe, in the history of NCAA mm-hmm. basketball, the winningest coach, yeah. male or female. Right. And she said one of the problems that she had early on as a coach is she took for granted what the athletes knew. 
and she would talk to them as if they knew what she knew. Exactly. And so what she learned to develop is that she said at halftime, she would get her uh, athletes in and every one of them had to write something on the whiteboard as they came in, as far as what they felt they needed to improve on. She would come in and read everything on the um, whiteboard and said, okay, yeah, 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 I see that. I said, oh, I wasn't aware of that. So making sure that the athlete knows what they're doing wrong. So what I've incorporated into my coaching is that when I see an athlete miss a, miss a lift or something, I'm like, all right, I ask them, what'd you do? And, they're, and, if, they, and if they can answer me, okay, well, I, for, I, I didn't keep the bar close. I looped it out, blah, blah, blah. Versus the athlete was like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I couldn't get it up. Okay, now I understand where I need to talk to you at, right. at what level. So that as a coach or even as an athlete, understanding how to answer the question that your trainer is asking you is, is very helpful as well. It's helpful in a couple of reasons. One, you know, your coach can, can get you going into the right path to make the proper corrections, right? Two, it, you now will learn, okay, as the athlete. I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. I always ask, why'd you miss that? Mm-hmm. Um, and a bar drifted away from me. Well, if your bar drifts away, what did you miss? Mm-hmm. What did you fail to do? Okay. Uh, was it squeeze my lats? Okay, yeah. Lats is huge. But you're missing, not only you had your lats on, but you weren't squeezing the shoulder blades together as well and maintaining a tight position on the bar. Mm-hmm. Now they know. So they know the direction. So what happens is if they miss it again, they're like, damn it. All right. I got to keep my lats on, squeeze my shoulder blades and, and maintain my position through mm-hmm. the lift and let, let the bar come up into the pocket and not my hips into the bar, right? They learn, and then they can make the, these what I call auto corrections, mm-hmm. which is huge in my opinion, because mm-hmm. you know how class goes. You may have, you know, say you have ten to fifteen in your class. It's hard to and you can see everybody, but sometimes that's why I teach and tell them and, and question them so they can learn, so they can make these adjustments. They can diagnose themselves. They can diagnose themselves, and then you know if I'm if I have someone that you know that. Maybe have two people ahead that what I've had triage here and that I've seen I'm, I'm kind of working with, they can now say, okay, I just got to squeeze it a little bit tighter mm-hmm. and then boom, they hit it. Right. And, and I know we're talking a lot about Olympic moves here, but that I think is one of the, those are the two movements that we require a lot of athlete understanding of what they're doing correctly right. or incorrectly for that matter. But this applies to anything like toast to bars in terms of the efficiency, you know, making sure you're uh, getting that Superman and pushing back. And getting that nice hollow position and, you know, depending on the athletes, their amount of mobility, I can either tell them to do just like, go ahead and use your you know leg strength and get your toes all the way up to the bar. Or if you're not that strong, you know, getting your knees to your chest and then flicking your toes, you know, same thing with handstand walks, you know, some guy, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a bigger dude. So I've had to, you know, really go down to a very rudimentary level of learning to get those handstands. Whereas like I have athletes that were cheerleaders at the university here. So, you know, they're totally comfortably in upside down, right. but also just, like I said, the key as a trainer and a key as an athlete is understanding what you're doing wrong and being able to, to verbalize that. Understand each other. I Understand each other. Yeah. And for trainers, not always using the same cues. Because if I tell you the same cue three times and it's not working. Yeah, that's on you then. Then that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay to go grab another coach. And we've said this before. You because, as a trainer, not on the athlete. Exactly. Yeah. And because even before we started the show, they're like, there would be times when me and Brody would just be hanging out after a competition and I would just sit and listen to him talk and he would say something that I've heard other people say a dozen times, but he says something, you know, like I remember the one specifically is like, we were talking about cleans mm-hmm. and you said, uh, the, the, the phrase that you use is like riding the bar down. 
like you said that and it like changed like my whole uh, understanding of, of, of how catch, the catching at its highest point. Yeah. Of, yeah. of how that movement would go, but no one had ever explained it to me that way. Now have, have my other coaches told me that in a different verbiage, probably, but most of us that are married out there will agree that if my wife tells me something 10 times and one of my buddies tells me the same thing in a different way, I understand it from my buddy. <laughs> Never fails. <laughs> so as coaches or trainers, how can we help athletes navigate through this or how can athletes help themselves navigate through this? Yeah. I mean, I just had a, you know, just had a meeting yesterday with one of our athletes. She's, uh, is she 54? Mm-hmm. So she's going to be in the 55 to whatever, 59 age group next year. Yeah. She's an animal and she doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. I've told her, I've told her for a year now that she's been here that there's no reason she's not top 200 and making the online qualifier and doing really well in it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, I don't just say that. Like, I really don't. I, I don't tell people that they can do X if I don't think and know they can. Okay. They're not blowing smoke. I don't, I can't, right? Because then it makes me look- You lose credibility. I lose credibility, makes me look bad, give them a false sense of hope and security, whatever. So we were sitting down, we were just kind of talking about this. So we set the game plan like, okay, where's our weaknesses, okay? And she's jacked. Like she got traps bigger than me. She's like a mini pat. She's an animal, right? And uh, Trap queen. Yeah. So, you know, we talked. You know, gymnastics is an issue. So we got to get the body weight down a little bit, right? It's, she's not fat. Right. She doesn't have. Oh, no, I know. That's my problem is I like I'm not fat. I'm a big dude. But I know if I lose 10 pounds, my gymnastics will improve. Right. And for a female, you lose five pounds like we did with Jenna. The gymnastics completely just they fall in line. It's not Mm -hmm. a strength issue. It's not a it's not some most time it's not a technique issue, but whatever. We said we got to sit down. We set a game plan. Okay, so if you're in the plateau, and you're not able to get to where you want to be. This is a good time to really pick the brain of your coaches. Okay. Say, hey, look, I got I really got these goals and I really want to meet them. I just feel like I'm not progressing, right? And just like with Carrie, I'm like, hey, you're progressing, right? When you started here, you couldn't even do RX handstand push-up. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you did, it was like maybe one. Okay. Now we're doing them, we're doing 45. That's <laughs> that's pretty good, right? Yeah. And and like I said, she's a heavier female and because she's taller, she's my height. So mm-hmm. she's like five. She might be five nine, five ten. So I'm five eleven. So she's quote above average. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so making huge progress, but sit down with your coaches. Okay. Figure out what's going on. Hey, is it me? Am I not putting in the right work? Am I too weak in this area? If I want to get better X, do I need to do more of this? Mm-hmm. Right. More strict handstand pushups. More strict pull ups. Uh, bend over rows to build the lat strength. You know, do I have to build my core, my glutes weak? Whatever. Get the direction from your trainer. Pick, their, pick your trainer who coaches your classes, who knows everything about you, mm-hmm. and let's get on the same page. Because once you do that, it does a couple things. First, you stop worrying about your freaking plateau. Mm-hmm. You're not even thinking about that now. Now you got a direction, right? You have a direction of, okay, I'm going to go here and here and here. These are my issues. Confirmed it with my coach. You know, this is exactly what I thought, but maybe, you know, he put a little bit more detail into mm-hmm. what I got to do. Now, now you have a goal and now you will start training. You, your plateau is gone. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a plateau. It's just, we got to do a little bit more. We got to do some auxiliary stuff, mm-hmm. right? So the plateau is gone. Talk to your coach, figure out what's going on. And is it tweak a, the game? Plan. Right. And, I, and we were talking about her clean too. It was like, okay, what's your clean? She tells me her clean. I was like, what's your front squat? Okay. Well, typically CrossFitters are within that 
you know, 20 to 25 pounds within their front squat as a full clean, mm-hmm. right? Well, you're right. I was like, you're right there. So what we got to do? Your Take, numbers are okay. Yeah. yeah. I, say, I say, we got to get your front squat up. So you want your clean to go up. It's not a technique issue. Okay, get that front squat up. We're going to get you comfortable if you want to. Like I was telling Presley, we, got, we need Presley have a 200 clean at a 48K. Mm-hmm. Well, that means we got to get her front squat to about 250 to 240, mm-hmm. right? Find one a under stress, which is an a meet, mm-hmm. you know, last lift on the platform on the island, dead silence at a national, yeah, at a national, <laughs> major national meet, yeah, right. We got to get that up because we need a little bit of room for air, yeah, right? Just in we case. don't, we don't want a two twenty front squat no. and hope to hit two hundred. I want that buffer to where she's confident she, when she if she gets under it properly, she knows she All can she stand, stand up, stand yeah. it up, she can do it. So that helps build the confidence in your athletes as well. And when you build confidence, we've talked about this one in the coaching aspect. When you give your athlete confidence and you give them a direction, that confidence takes them to a whole nother level mm-hmm. of training. And even when we talked about the um, uh, when, when and why you should compete, mm-hmm. you go to, comp- you go to mm-hmm. competition, your first one, you kind of are a train wreck, right? <laughs> and you come back and you attack your training differently. Yeah. Next competition you go into, you, you're a little bit more confident. You're comfortable. Yeah, you're yeah. comfortable. You're a little bit more confident, not as nervous, but you've improved. So that's why you're confident. Mm-hmm. And then that just, that that's how you build. Yeah. Right? Well, a lot of those unknowns are now gone. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Pretty solid info. I think the big takeaways from today are understanding what you're not able to do appropriately. Mm-hmm. You know, communicating with your coach. Huge. And we, I forgot to tap onto that. Right. I mean, we, we said, you know, you want to have conversations, but the communication, having open lines mm-hmm. to where I'm going to listen to my athlete. Okay. And they're going to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like one way. Yeah. It's a dialogue. It's yeah, not a, it's, 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 it's not a briefing. I can't ask you a question. And then you look off in the space. Mm-hmm. I can't get anything out of yeah, that. There has to be right? investment on both sides. Absolutely. Yeah. And from the trainer aspect, you know, these athletes trust you to help them to get to their goals, whatever they are. And you see that athlete struggling, you know, have that conversation with them, help them out, you know, lead them and help them navigate that path to get past this perceived plateau. Yeah. And I, you know, don't, don't make stuff up. <laughs> Absolutely. Do not make stuff up. That is the fastest way to lose credibility. Yeah. It's, it's one thing I've, I've, I've never done. <laughs> I'll never do because you, um, obviously the credibility would be shot, but then that just kind of starts spreading. Mm-hmm. And then when you're trying to make a, a, a cure correction during class, they're going to ignore you because mm-hmm. you've, you've done st- <laughs> You steered them down the wrong you path. You did them wrong oh, once. Yeah. Then they remember it. Like, you said I could get under 150. My max is 125. My arm snapped off. I'm not trusting you, Mo. And bro, I'm not trusting you, you either. either. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So for this week, our call to action, you know, in celebration of episode number 20, send us a pic of you in your favorite beverage tagging us the one more rep podcast as well as your gym yeah that's awesome you know i always like beer so if you want to send me something yeah <laughs> if you got some sweet beers out there that you're drinking that you're sipping on let us know about them especially with the summer months coming up and you know, we need some of them nice tasty summer brews. i can't wait for summer mo we'll be locked in the in the room for 70 <laughs> <laughs> all right so that brings this week's episode to a close i'm mo and i'm out later Thank you for listening to the One More Rep podcast. 
and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at One More Rip Podcast or on Twitter at Can I Get One More or shoot us an email at Can I Get One More at gmail.com. So a couple Second shout- place. Oh. <laughs> a couple shout outs. Uh, we are slowly expanding our reach. We are up to 50, or sorry, four, we have 50 states total. All right. So pretty solid. I think the big takeaways are here. <clears throat> pretty solid. I think the big takeaways are, damn it, this beer's strong. What is it? I don't know. It's probably 2%. Probably. It's so strong it's not on there. Six. (laughs) Cut him off. (laughs) For once, I'll be the outtake. (laughs) What's that mean? (laughs) (laughs) It just hit me. It hit me like your raspberries. (laughs)